Welcome to this podcast on Debtors' Names, brought to you by Cali. I'm Professor Jennifer Martin. The topic of this podcast is how a secured creditor decides what debtor name it should use on a financing statement when perfecting its security interest. This topic primarily requires a careful reading of UCC 9503 9506 and a basic understanding of how a secured party attaches its security interest in the first place. Recall that pursuant to 9203, the creation of a security interest attaches a sort of invisible string between the debtor's obligation to pay the creditor and the collateral. The attachment of the security interest entitles the creditor to possession of the collateral in the event that the debtor fails to pay. But a creditor needs to perfect its security interest in order to make it good against other claimants. The typical methods of perfection are filing, possession, control, automatic perfection, and levy. While there are exceptions and rules as to the proper filing location, most secured creditors will file a financing statement with the Office of the Relevant State Secretary of State in order to perfect their security interest. So for purposes of this podcast, we will focus primarily on filing. The filing of a financing statement gives notice to other parties who might want to take an interest in the collateral so long as they know to search the records. But the most important information on a financing statement is that of the debtor's name because the financing statement records are indexed using the debtor's name only. That makes sense because the system must be one that enables searchers to potentially identify conflicting security interests prior to lending. So it is very important for the filer to get the debtor's name correct or the financing statement will never be found by a searcher. Sometimes a creditor will choose to file more than one financing statement if there is any doubt about an individual debtor's name. The rules of 9503 tell us what name is sufficient and 9506 sets a standard for when a financing statement is seriously misleading and therefore ineffective to perfect the security interest. There are different rules for registered organizations, non-registered organizations, trusts, personal representatives of decedents, individuals, and sole proprietorship. This podcast will go through each of the categories. With respect to registered organizations such as corporations, LLCs, and limited partnerships, 9503 directs that the financing statement use only the name listed on the public organic record for the organization, such as the name listed on a corporation's Articles of Incorporation. Of note, a general partnership is not a registered organization, even if it has filed an assumed name certificate. Do not include any trade name as the only 
name on the public organic record will suffice. For instance, if a company is registered as Florida Sun Beach Corporation, you would file under that name. This would be true even if the trade name is Florida Sun. Use the registered name and no more. Moreover, don't abbreviate words in the registered organization's name unless that abbreviation is used in the public organic record. For instance, don't abbreviate the word Florida as FL. Of course, not all business organizations are registered. Most commonly, they are partnerships. These unregistered organizations are divided into two groups, those with names and those without names. If the organization has a name, then the financing statement must provide the organizational name of the debtor. For instance, if my friend Scott and I form a general partnership in the name of Burnham & Martin, a creditor wanting to file a financing statement would likely consult our partnership agreement and file in the name of Burnham & Martin, as opposed to filing in our individual names. If the organization does not have a name, the financing statement is sufficient if it provides the names of the partners, members, associates, or other persons comprising the debtor. In the event that my friend Scott and I form a general partnership, perhaps inadvertently, a creditor wanting to file a financing statement where we have not designated a name for our partnership would have to file a financing statement in the names of the general partners. Here are individual names, Scott J. Burnham and Jennifer Sue Martin. In the event that there is a trust holding the collateral, if the trust is a registered organization, then the creditor should file in the registered name. For instance, a trust registered as the Martin Family Children's Trust would necessitate a filing in that name. However, if the trust is not a registered organization, then the financing statement would use the name of the trust on the organic record for the trust, or if the organic record does not have a name, then the name of the settler or testator. For instance, even if the Martin Family Children's Trust was not a registered trust, but the trust documents use that name, then that is the proper name for a financing statement. However, when we have unregistered trusts, the creditor must also, in a separate part of the financing statement, indicate that the collateral is held in the trust, or if there's not a name for the trust, also provide additional information sufficient to designate the trust as from other trusts that might have the same settlers or testators. In the event that we have collateral being administered by a personal representative of a decedent, the financing statement must provide the name of the debtor, in this case it will be the name of the decedent, and indicate that the collateral is being administered by a personal representative. The name of the decedent should be the same as indicated on the court order appointing the personal representative. So, if I was a personal representative of the estate of my grandmother, Dorothy Martin, a financing statement would need to list the debtor as the name of the decedent, Dorothy Martin, and indicate that the collateral is being administered by a personal representative. 
as to individuals, the drafters provided two alternatives for individual debtor names under 9503 and each enacting state has to choose one of the alternatives. Alternative A, adopted by most states, directs that a filer should use the name of the debtor listed on an unexpired driver's license of the state where the filing is to occur and if there is no driver's license to use the surname and first personal name of the debtor. Under this alternative we would use the name on the unexpired driver's license even if the driver's license was misprinted even if the debtor is commonly known by a nickname, and even if the birth certificate has a different name. For instance, if the driver's license lists Santa Claus, then a correct filing would be in the name of Santa Claus, no matter how odd the name might seem. Also, if my driver's license provides my name as Jennifer Sue Martin, then a filing is correct when it uses the full name but a filing against Jennifer S. Martin would not suffice in an Alternative A jurisdiction. Alternative B directs that a filer should use the individual name of the debtor, a phrase as it turns out is not defined in 9503, the surname and first personal name of the debtor, or the name listed on the unexpired driver's license of the state where the filing is to occur. Again, even with alternative B, nicknames are to be avoided. For instance, my father's name is Dudley Richard Martin, but everyone knows him as Rick Martin. A filing in the name of Rick Martin would be seriously misleading. But what about sole proprietorships? Article 9 directs that we just use the individual name according to the individual name rules. So, for instance, if I operate a book selling business on the side in the name of Secondhand Books, a sole proprietorship, then a creditor would file a financing statement in my individual name, Jennifer Sue Martin, which happens to be the name on my driver's license. There's enough here that you might worry about getting this wrong. The consequence of failing to sufficiently provide for the debtor's name in the financing statement makes it seriously misleading as a matter of law and therefore will not be effective to perfect the security interest. But perhaps all is not lost if the name is incorrect as there is one exception to this rule. A financing statement will not be seriously misleading if two things are true. First, a searcher could do a search of the financing statement records of the filing office under the debtor's correct name. And second, such search would reveal the financing statement with the incorrect name using the filing office's standard search logic. As you can see, in order to save an incorrect filing, the standard search logic of filing offices becomes very important. Don't rely too much on this exception to the rule because the alphabetic indexing of the records is likely to only save small errors that don't take the financing statements significantly out of alphabetical order. For instance, 
a creditor might name the debtor as DRM Electronics Corporation, with spaces between the DRM and no periods after the letters. If the true name is Dudley R. Period Martin Electronics Corporation, the filing is seriously misleading. If the search logic in effect at the time using the correct name would not disclose the financing statement with the incorrect name, then the financing statement is seriously misleading and ineffective to perfect the security interest. Note that Article 9 puts the burden on the filer to get the name right so that the searcher searching for that name will find it. At this point, you should be able to identify the correct name to use for a debtor on a financing statement. You should also be able to describe when a secured creditor might want to make multiple filings. I hope that you've enjoyed this podcast on debtors' names. Laudables are produced and distributed by Cali, the Center for Computer-Assisted Legal Instruction. Find more Laudables at www.cali.org laudables. Send your question and feedback to laudables at cali.org. That's L-A-W-D-I-B-L-E-S at C-A-L-I dot org. The Laudable theme music is Ask Me No Question by Learning Music. Laudables are for educational purposes only. Please seek an attorney if you need legal advice.